Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John. A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. He called out to them, Friends, do you have any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. John 21, verse 5 through 6. After the death of Jesus, the disciples returned to what they knew best, fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Despite their skill and experience, will they listen to the voice calling from the shore? It's not just a question for them, it's a question for us as well. Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John. A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Another day is breaking along an azure sea. The waves roll in and out again. Shorebirds advance and flee. The world is slowly waking to the sun's increasing light as mussels, crab, and starfish shake off the dark of night. Other tenants of the seashore also greet the coming dawn. Here come the local fishermen, Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John. They bring years of vast experience to their maritime profession. They're resuming past career paths after a time of job digression. Their fishing biz has been on hold, their job path interrupted. Some say they were inspired, while some others say corrupted. They'd met a visionary man, intriguing and quite radical. Once recruited for his venture, they then took a fish sabbatical. With seven other partners, they traded nets and dories for an investment that returned them mostly quite fantastic stories. After a tough and tragic climax came a sudden disillusion. They were now back where they started. Was it all just an illusion? Now post this faded effort with egos bruised and squished, their future is uncertain, and so they simply fished. That they are good, don't wonder. They know the best inlets and bays. Their credentials are impeccable. They've sparkling resumes. Their nets are clean and mended. The bait's been cut and stored. The boat is sound and fully caulked, each fine, well-sanded board. The sail is crisp and spotless. The lines are taut and true. No detail goes unnoticed by this quick, efficient crew. These men are all now business, bringing skill and brains and brawn. The epitome of teamwork are Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John. They direct their capabilities into the task at hand, for it's time to move their vessel from its perch upon the sand. Let's get in front and pull her, suggests the sailor Nate. Pete scoffs at this idea. That's no way to move this weight. We've got to get behind her, the type A Pete insists. While Jim and John draw flowcharts, Nate argues and resists. The angle of descent plus the resistance of the sand indicate that pulling is what this circumstance demands. You always over-engineer. What are you thinking of? Let's just lean in with our shoulders and give it one big shove. On three, we'll push her forward, Pete tells the other four. We can't both push and pull, says Tom. It isn't either or. Let's not be too hasty. We really shouldn't force it. After studying our work plan, I believe we should outsource it. 
Then Jim and John distributed their multifarious scheme. We refer you to the Gantt chart that you'll find on page 14. And while these five went round and round contending on the quay, the tide came in and took their boat far out into the bay. They enlisted some assistance from a neighboring fishing crew to row on out, retrieve the boat so they could start anew. They set aside their differences to load their net and gear, and finally, when they finished, shoved their boat off from the pier. Pete was at the tiller while Tom prepared the bait. Jim and John got set to row. The sail was raised by Nate. They moved 100 yards offshore to anchor by a rock. They'd fished here often in the past. It was their lucky spot. Let's get the net unfurled, cried Pete, and spread it in the water. I've told you about that 12-pound trout. Well, this is where I caught her. Hold on, said Tom. Before we fish, we've got to make them come. Let me get the pail of bait and spread a little chum. Don't use that stuff. You'll make it smell. You'll draw in birds, cried Jim. John said he's scared the seagulls will swoop down and poop on him. Before we start, now added Nate, and thus deploy our net, we must confirm the tidal flow and deduce the proper depth. I suggest we launch a study of the currents and the shoals, then define desired outcomes, setting milestones and goals. As he prattled on and on and to pontificate, there came a loud, prodigious splash that interrupted Nate. I figured while you're talking, I'd get to work, said Pete. He'd launched the net forgetting, though, to tie it to the cleats. Tom swiftly grabbed the boat hook and reached to pull it in. Voices raised and oaths pronounced just added to the din. They debated and they argued, struggling just to get some traction, caught between their contemplation and decisive concrete action. Back when they all were following the call and joined the team, their leader deftly molded them to run like a machine. He took their personalities, their tendencies and gifts, and maximized their unity while minimizing rifts. Without his firm and guiding hand, performance seemed to flicker, with effectiveness devolving to a tendency to bicker. So through the night they fished and fished, using every trick they knew. Experience was failing them in what they tried to do. For all their thought and planning, their muscle and their brawn couldn't seem to fill the net for Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John. As the sun was rising, they were as fatigued as they could get. The men reached down and grabbed the lines to check their failing net. They pulled it to the surface with nerves both frayed and fried, and when they looked inside it, no fish were trapped inside. That's it, cried Pete. I've had it. The fishing's just no good. Let's head back to the dock, said Nate. Tom concurred. I think we should. As they prepped for their departure from the beach, a voice then cried. The words quick froze their actions. Throw your net to the other side. What's that? inquired Jim and John. Redeploy the net. Why would that affect the outcome when all night it has been set? Who's making this suggestion from beyond the morning tide? Then once again the voice rings clear. Throw your net to the other side. I see no sense or logic from that voice upon the beach. Both Tom and Nate commented on that cross-the-water speech. But Pete was still and listening, 
like a long expectant bride, a knowing look dawned on his face. Throw your net to the other side. Roll up the net and move it port, Pete said. He was intense. Don't worry that it seems inane, that it doesn't make good sense. There's a time to be strategic and a time to play it safe. But sometimes you set those things aside and act upon your faith. Let's drop the net as we've been told. His words were calm and sure. Let's trust the voice across the waves and see what may occur. So the net slipped from their fingers to descend into the blue. They listened for the calling voice, for it seemed t'was one they knew. And as they paused to listen, just as quiet as a church, then Pete exclaimed, I've got it! And the boat gave one big lurch. Their craft was pulled sharp downward to the side where hung the net. They fought to keep their balance and not fall into the wet. Grab and pull, they hollered, so they heaved and heaved again. As the load then broke the surface, they saw scales and tails and fins. The net was near to breaking, was full of fish galore, with salmon, perch, and pike, and cod, sardines, and albacore. There were mackerel and flounder, angelfish, sea bass, and tuna, mahi-mahi, anchovies, octopus, barracuda, tilapia and sturgeon, barramundi, squid and prawns. "'Twas the greatest catch in history for Pete, Tom, Nate, Jim, and John." As the men wrestled their harvest, they saw Pete look toward the shore. He had a smile upon his face. He wasn't focused on the chore, for he had recognized the one who called them from the land. The rope that he was holding, he secured in Tom's strong hands. "'I'll see you on the shoreline,' he told Nate, John, and Jim. Then he leapt over the side and with a laugh began to swim. Make no mistake, these disciples were good fishermen. For several of them, this was their livelihood before they left it all behind to follow Jesus. As the story opens with Jesus now crucified and their lives turned upside down, the disciples have returned to what they know best, fishing. They prepared a boat and pulled an all-nighter on the water with nothing to show for it come the dawn. How down they must have been. After all they'd been through with Jesus, now they can't even catch any fish. So when a voice from the shore advises them to do something that doesn't make any sense, how receptive do you think they were to advice? How could lifting the net and deploying it on the other side of the boat accomplish what they'd failed to do all night long? And how could someone standing on the shore know this anyway? But then, there is recognition as to who the voice belonged to, and this recognition turned into immediate action and trust. As a result, not only were their nets fairly bursting with fish, but later we find them having one of the sweetest encounters with Jesus recorded in the Bible. The lesson for us? We all have talents, competencies, experience, knowledge, and abilities. As Christians, we are called to offer these things to the Lord and seek to use them in His service. But more important than anything we bring to the table is the faith, trust, and humility it takes for us to hear the voice from the shore. Let's not simply ask God to bless our plans and actions. Instead, Let's ask him to show us his plans 
and His desires and give us the wisdom to walk in His will. And, most importantly, let's be bold enough to do that which may seem ridiculous to us in the moment. Let's be willing to lift our nets and redeploy them as He directs. For when we do, the catch will be far beyond anything we can hope or imagine.